I'm Hera. And I'm Aisha. And we are the Mocha Single Mothers by Choice, or SMCs. Like you, as SMCs, we decided to become mothers knowing we'd be the sole care provider and parent of our children, at least at the outset. And the Mocha is for Black. We discuss being SMCs from an intentionally Black lens. You'll connect with all the interesting and fun things about this non-traditional path. Like how you decide which sperm to use, the cold, hard truth of fertility, your reality of dating as a single mother who doesn't have a co-parent to rely on for occasional childcare, and what it's actually like to parent as an SMC. This is the Mocha Single Mothers by Choice podcast. Hi, Pod. Harry and I have been talking a lot about representation matters. We've been talking about the Black dynamic and how we exist in so many white spaces that is from the places where we work, the different places where we go to get medical care, where our kids go to school, and also what we watch on TV, what we consume as entertainment. Y'all all know that in marginalized communities, we say representation matters, and it's never felt more critical than it does, you know, today with all that has happened post-2020. Um, and so the urgency of now seems to have caught on with some of the networks and streaming um, channels that we watch, studio executives and the, the different brands. So Harry and I, we wanted to take some time to talk through and kind of tease apart what all we're experiencing right now as Black women and as Black parents and raising Black girls um, in particular. So let's run through a hit of a list of hit or miss things that we've experienced over the past year. And, but first I wanted to start with Hara to kind of talk through what does representation matter mean to you? So it's interesting because I have definitely thought more about this topic as a parent than I have ever before in my life. However, I think back to like the shows that I consumed as a kid and even as a young adult And I remember what was really important to me, even as a kid, was like seeing people who looked like me in shows. And first it started out with like, you know, are there kids in that show? Because if there's no kids in the show, I'm not going to identify with and I don't want to watch it. Right. But I also really early on remember being obsessed with the Cosby show because it was like the first time I was seeing black families on TV. And even though the Cosby show or the Cosby family didn't exactly look like my family, because I was in a biracial family, I felt like here are black kids. And it just felt like it felt more similar to my family than many of the other families on TV. So that was super important to me. And I, as a parent, I think what I have started to notice is you can, you can control only, but so much with like what your kids see in your house. And I started to notice that the neighborhood that we lived in the shows my kids were watching were telling a narrative. And a lot of it was like just surrounded by white people, right? They weren't seeing themselves in the world and they weren't seeing themselves on television. So for me, I I made a couple of huge changes. One, I started being very much more conscious in what my kids were watching because they would just turn on Netflix and watch whatever. And I was like, no, we have to, we have to try to like be intentional about what we're watching on TV. But I also, made a radical move from a very white city and moved back to Washington, D.C. and intentionally moved into an area that is, I wouldn't say unapologetically Black, but I would say the majority of my neighbors are Black. Mm -hmm. And I have noticed a shift in my kids where they now want to play with the Black dolls 
and they want to see blackness because it's become more normal. But I also will say, I do appreciate that. I know Netflix is actually trying really hard because there's a lot of shows that are now centering black characters, Mm -hmm. but it has, it certainly hasn't always been the case. And there's a few shows. I I don't even remember what they're called because I told my daughter, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan, but just the other day I was like, I, I was asking my daughter, she's watching this show and I didn't see any black people in this whole town. Right. And I was like, Stella, have you ever seen an entire town where there are no black people? And she looked at the screen and she was like, you're right. And she was like, there's one like way in the back. And I was like, and is that a main character in the show? And she was like, no, that's just a random, like, you know, extra. And so I told her, I was like, this show is not realistic in our world. And I was like, none of these characters are, are people that mommy would identify with, you know, and I certainly have never lived in a town where there aren't any like people of color. And so I think it just started turning her wheels, which I think is important as a parent, like start calling that out when you see it. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Aisha? So for me, I think, you know, I think the textbook, you can aspire to be something that you don't see, right? You can, you can be aware of what the realm of possibilities are, but if you don't see a pathway forward for someone who looks like you to get there and that's not encouraged, that's a problem for me. So representation matters means to me that you have to see yourself in the different opportunities that exist in this world. And so similar to Hera, I have started to be a lot more intentional. And this actually stemmed from a conversation I had with a friend of mine, um, um, we'll call him Mr. C. Um, And he was like, you know, when he was um, raising his son, uh, he had nieces, boys and girls, and, you know, there was a lot of Disney shows. And he's like, Disney is so damaging. And he's just like, you know, but one one real critical conversation he had was around the the number of black people that showed up in these shows and how mm-hmm. the hair was represented. And so at one point they decided as a family that they would not watch any shows that did not have black characters. And he said that there was a good six months that they did not watch a whole lot of TV because mm-hmm. that's the dearth the, the void of black characters. And so mm-hmm. I took a spin on that for both my, my kids and as well as myself, but my kids sooner than myself. And I'd say, you know, do you see anybody in that show that looks like mommy, that looks mm-hmm. like, you know, baby sister that looks like you? And so now this is a running commentary. So my daughter gets extremely happy when she's like, mommy, look, there are a few people in the show and, you know, and they're this character and this is what they do. And then she also recognizes when there are shows that that don't have black people. She's like, I really like this show, but there are no black people in it. And so, but the fact that at seven, she's aware of these things. And Mm -hmm. at one point um, when Beyonce released um, black or the Lion King, um, Mm -hmm that whole video series documentary, we watched that a few times. And so she's just like, mommy, do we only watch shows with black people? Do we only listen to music with black people? I was like, no, I like, (laughs) my daughter has asked me before. She was like, do you only like black singers? And I had to think about it for a second. I was like, "Mm, I like Adele and she's not black. And I was like, but I'm pretty sure Adele's soul is black. So she might count. (laughs) 
And so, but I love that we're engaging in these conversations with our children so that they do become critical thinkers and that as they go through the world, that they're Mm -hmm. looking with these eyes and, you know, a racial lens at who's present, who's not Mm -hmm. present, who's in the room. And um, similar to Hera, I was intentional about moving to a particular location. um, And I moved to a location that has a lot of diversity. So we'll see the number of Black people that actually exist in the population, which is still not 100% comfortable for me. And I still have to seek out Black spaces, but it represents the diversity of the world that my my child will hopefully be going into as a global citizen. yeah, I like that. I like what we said about just like kids being critical thinkers. I don't think that as parents, we have to like go to the extreme of not allowing certain shows that aren't like 100% black cast. But I do think that we have to really, especially with our older kids, you know, I would say, you know, maybe even starting at five or six, just start asking questions about it and being like, really, does that make sense? I had a really proud moment the other day where my toddler toddled over with like sleeping beauty and she really wanted me to read it. So I was like, okay, here we go. And this was like one of those really old, like, you know, golden books (laughs) that, um, you know, that, that was just definitely not with the times. And so my older daughter, she was doing her homework at the time and just sort of listening in. And we got to the part where Briar Rose, who's sleeper sleeping beauty meets, you know, Prince Charming or whatnot. And he says that he met her, he's in love with her and he met her in, in their dreams or something. And so my older daughter came over and she's like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. (laughs) He was like, when Briar Rose met Prince Philip, she should have like kicked him in the man parts because that is creepy AF. To be like, I met you in my dreams and now I'm in love with you. And I was like, right? Like, that is so weird. And so the toddler's looking at us, rolling her eyes. And she's like, can we just get through this book? And me and the older one are having this debate about how problematic it is that. And then the dude who she just met in her dreams, in quotes, Uh is now going to save her from the spindle. And I was like, this doesn't even make any sense. Like, And so I, I enjoyed the conversation and I think that it was one of those things where you really, if you, if you try to avoid bring, you know, critically thinking about popular culture and media that is problematic, you miss those opportunities to talk to them about it. And if they don't get it in your house, they're going to get it somewhere else. Right. And, and I think that's, that's kind of what um, I've been trying to get at with them. So Hera and I, we talk a lot. We're girlfriends. Um, And so we'll talk about the different shows we're watching. We'll talk about the different conversations and cartoons that the kids are watching. And so we, we took a step at thinking about the things that happened recently in pop culture that have us question who was in the room when something was being created or when a campaign was being developed. And so for me in my head, every time those conversations happen, I go back to Hamilton and I think about the song in the room where it happened with um, Leslie Odom. So clearly who was in the room when that happened? There were people who were in the room. There were people who were not present. Nobody a final oversight into in terms of diversity, equity, or inclusion 
and not just who's in the room where it happens, but who's in the room and who's empowered to speak up when something egregious, you know, you look at it on paper and it's just like, oh, that's not going to go over well. Um, so there are a few examples of that in, in modern times. One is the um, Shea Moisture um, campaign that fell flat where they were talking about uh, the different hair textures and, you know, you had illustrations of um, a looser curl pattern where the primary consumer for Shea Moisture are Black women with 4C mm -hmm. hair that's kind of kinky. Um, and, you know, and so this pattern that's being lauded across that whole advertising campaign is just like, you know, a slap in the face to the people who are actually purchasing the products. Which is strange. It's like you makes you wonder. It's like if your primary audience and your primary customer is a black woman, why don't you hire people who look like that to make sure that you don't have blind spots in your marketing campaigns? Like to me, that is just common sense. Right. Uh, yeah, I agree. Another campaign that fell flat was the UN Women's Valentine Day illustration where they had yeah. couples paired up. They had same-sex couples. They had biracial couples. Mm -hmm. They had um, couples with different um, abilities, disabilities. And then they had the Black woman who was just hugging herself alone. Right. Like, we we don't deserve love. We just have to, like, have enough self-love to cover us for good. I was like, wow. You know what was funny about that? When I first saw it, I thought to myself, I bet you there was a Black man in the room. That is points for another I yeah, I feel like that's a deeper conversation, but it was one of those things where I feel like they probably felt like they had checked the box because they made sure to have a black person in the room. But obviously that person did not think about the perspective of a black woman. But it was also strange because I was like, could not one person in that room see that that was problematic? Like, for example, if it instead of a black woman had been any other race of woman hugging herself and she was not represented in any of the other couples, I would have been like, why would we do that? Right. What are we trying to say about Asian women, for example, if it was an Asian woman? Right. But I and I wonder if it's just that black women are are constantly put in a, a situation where we have to we have to recognize those things more or, or what, but I was like, this just, it seems to me like everybody in that room either had a very low EQ or I don't know, like they were or, busy patting themselves on the back. Like, look how diverse this is. Or perhaps <laughs> it was intentional. And I know that people are like, Oh, assume good intent. But I'm like, you know what? That was so blatant that like, it's really hard to assume that someone in the room didn't have something to say about it. Yes. I agree. I and then the last one that that popped to mind when we were just kind of organically talking about this was the Dove commercial, where it's like, we've got this body wash and it makes you feel so good and so clean. And mm -hmm. I feel so clean as a black woman that when I wash off, I look like a white woman. Yeah, I, I remember I used that Dove campaign actually in a lot of my conversations in the workplace about why we have to diversify our business for the sake of our business, because that was one of those situations where I... I felt so bad for the model in that, you know, like it would, it must've been so embarrassing. And, and, and you wonder if she even knew what the whole commercial was because they could have filmed her scene in a vacuum. And then to have to look at that and be like, wow, like they, they used me as a prop to uh, essentially move along some strange white agenda about like beauty standards of beauty. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, so it's with that lens that we, we come to this conversation and we talk about um, TV shows that we are watching, that our kids are watching, um, because we are looking at it with that lens. Like things, some things are just glaring. Now, some shows are getting it right. Some streaming networks are clearly putting in the work. I still question some of the content, which we'll get into, but um, so Hera, I know you've got a list and we've talked about some of these things recently. What are you watching that you think is getting it right in terms of representation? So for me, we really liked mixed-ish and blackish because again, it's like, it's like brown families, right? And so uh, mixed-ish, I don't think got renewed for another season, but my daughter and I would watch it and I liked it because it would talk about conversations that I was having with her. And it was like a really good way of explaining certain things about just the strangeness of our racial lens in, in the U S uh-huh. uh, and, and same with blackish, right. It, it, it talks about topics that I think for, as a parent, it kind of made it easier to approach some of these things. Um, as an adult, some of the shows that I really like, I really like Lucifer. And even though like the main character Lucifer is a white guy, I think what is really great about that show is that they stretch the bounds on sexuality. Cause like Lucifer is also bisexual, like openly bisexual. And I like the fact that they made the devil white (laughs) instead of black. And I also really appreciate that there are siblings in the show that are different colors and it's almost like they're kind of making fun of like at, at one point once somebody was like, that's your brother. And he was like, you know, our souls have no color because like, they're <laughs> supposed to be like souls. Right. So like they just came in the body that they came in. Right. So I think it's just, it's very clever how they, how they don't feel the need to typecast. Cause it's kind of a farce. It's, it's farce anyway. Right. Because they're basically like, it's, it's, you know, the devil and God and all this stuff. And they made God black, which was awesome. (laughs) And, um, it's, it's just, it's clever and it's diverse. And I, I feel like the black characters aren't periphery characters, which I really appreciate. Uh, another one that I really like is raising Dion. I can't wait till it comes back. Uh, there's a couple things about that. She's a single mom. I mean, not an SMC, but a single mom. And there's several things that come up in the show about raising black children that I think is great. And it's also, you know, the kids got superpowers, which is fun. Uh, and, and my daughter actually likes watching that one with me as well. Um, Outer Banks, I really like, because even though, you know, it's somewhat of a white cast, there's definitely, there's definitely color in there. And it also talks about socioeconomic status a little bit, which I think is good. Uh on my block is another really good one. I do like. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think the fa- my favorite thing about that show is the relationship between one of the characters and the and the abuelita, the grandma, yeah. because he it's so authentic, and you know it's like here's this little black boy who has really bonded with one of his best friends, grandmothers, right? And they just like they smoke up together. <laughs> Like the grandma's always dropping grandma wisdom, but they, their relationship is like friends, you know, it's not like a parent and a child or a grandmother and a child. It's like this woman is who he goes to as his home girl, which I think is just so cute and so clever. Uh, and, and 
And yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed big brother this season because of the cookout Alliance, because I was like, it was so great to finally see black people come together and just completely pull the wool over everybody's eyes. But doesn't it totally represent what happens in the real world? Like in, 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 in an ideal situation, in an ideal situation. Right. I know I used to, I, I, when we were in the office, I was that black person who would find every black person in the room and I would nod and I would try to make sure to seek out and let you know that I see you. Right. And so I kind of felt like the whole cookout and how it came together was a demonstration of how there's such a common bond between black people due to the very nature of our experience in this country being regardless of race, socioeconomic level, that you could potentially have the same experience and you probably have had a run-in at some point due to race. And so it's Mm -hmm. almost like there's this imperceptible language where you can just give a nod or a look and we automatically get it because we've had that. And it was just like the cookout. Mm -hmm. But see, that that to me is an ideal situation. And I think the reason why it gave me so much joy is that even though all of them were, you know, they showed that blackness wasn't monolithic, right? Because all of them definitely came from different walks of life and some of them didn't even like each other. Right. But at the end, they were still able to be like, you know what, I am going to put my identity above everything else right now and like do it for the culture. Right. (laughs) And so that's what I really appreciated about it. But I will say that like in the workplace, Yes. In an ideal situation, that's how it plays out and we will have each other's back. But I will say that I have been in several situations at work where I expect that from my black coworkers and I don't always receive it from them. And that is disappointing. And I think that's why seeing that as I was like, wow, this is how it can work. Even if you don't get along, you recognize that like you need to have their back. So what about you, you Aisha? Like, what are your right, my, go-to? My list. So I spent quite a bit of time watching TV after the kids go to bed. All right. So I broke my list into shows that have gotten it right and then shows that are on a journey. Um, And so my list of shows that have gotten it right. I really like Grownish because it's, you know, it's a college, it's a college age show. It's a real diverse um, cast. It is, you know, they've got the different genders represented. They have different um, socioeconomic levels. Um, well, they're all in college, so that doesn't come mm-hmm. But it's so many um, different themes are interwoven within their stories. Um, and that's on Freeform. I like Good Trouble for the same reason. The characters are diverse. They spend time on developing each of the different characters. So you get to know the characters really well. Um, mm-hmm. I do like Run the World that was on Stars because it represents a different narrative. It's like, you know, Sex in a City, but for Black people. And it doesn't center white people. And it shows how most of us truly Mm. navigate i hated sex in the city for that reason i was like okay whatever you're living in the middle of manhattan with like crappy job and and there are no black people in the middle of manhattan okay um so run the world does that it's a group of 30 something um black professional women who are just going about you know the the day-to-day ups and downs of just being a woman right in black skin and so that was refreshing i really like that First Wives Club on um, BET Plus, you know, it had um, 
Jilly, Jilly from the Blah, um, Jill Scott. It had um, a, a, a nice cast, a nice threesome, different hues represented just, um, you know, and different parts of the professional world. One is an entertainer, one was uh, a, a legal professional in the politics, and one was a, a nurse, a medical professional. So it just showed a broad swath of um, different um, professions. And I really like that. Um, Blood and Water on Netflix is a show that takes place in South Africa and um, almost majority black cast of young people up and coming and just told like, you know, um, these um, private, this private school story. And I really liked seeing the different shades of black. I really liked hearing the mother tongue um, from Africa and the way that they wove the stories together. And then Insecure, of course, Insecure on HBO just um, loved it. So those were the shows that were getting it right. There are other shows that are on their journey. Um, <laughs> on their journey is like a very like political way of saying it. Right. So I'll say this. Um, Chesapeake Shores was an all white show. And every now and then it's like Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. I, I want to, you know, pop a pop a tab and just watch some crap on TV. And so but see, here's the thing about Chesapeake Shores and I can't with it. It's like, OK, Maryland is not a white state right and like chesapeake is like right around you know it's like it's like right around the corner of like from the blackest place in america which is dc and i'm like really there are no black people there come on now like tell you about their journey so for the first four seasons it was unapologetically white Mm -hmm. and season five comes at 2019 Mm. season Season five, I think, spanned 2019 and 2020, right? Because the pandemic hit, they were on hiatus. And when they came back, they had a plethora of Black characters. All of a sudden, Black people moved to the neighborhood. Right. Supporting (laughs) roles with people talking and showing up in multiple episodes, like Black people. And I was just like, "Uh uh-huh. And so then I saw how they were trying to, you know, Mm-hmm. turn you know the, i'm sure the they were getting talked about and then you know right. that like certain i think it's cbs actually that made a pact that all of their at least for their reality shows had to be like 50 percent people of color because after we saw big brother i was like oh they're never doing that again right <laughs> like they're never gonna put that many black people but mm-hmm. then i think it was like a good friend of mine was like no they have to they made a pact that, you know, which I appreciate because we're seeing it now in the Bachelor and Bachelorette Nation. Like we finally have, you know, black representation there. Uh, and so, so yeah, I think, but, but it's, it's still to me like disingenuous. It's like, okay, so you waited until like George Floyd died and everybody started protesting to like decide mm-hmm. you needed to put a because black person suddenly, in the Chesapeake. Suddenly at that point in 2020, race was an issue in this country. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So two shows that I, I do want to speak on, and I believe these are both BBC shows, Black and Lupin. Their shows have smattering of Black people, but why can't we ever pair a Black man with a Black woman, man, romantic interest, right? So BBC tends to get this wrong Mm -hmm. out of 99% of the shows, and I like BBC shows. Mm-hmm. And it's just like anytime there is a, a chance to pair a white woman with a romantic partner, they put them with a black person, a black mm-hmm. dude. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, seriously. And it's like BBC cannot seem to find a black woman. And we know from our spaces, we mm-hmm. have black women who live in, you know, England. It actually it wouldn't bother me if it was equal. Right. 
So like if you saw black women with white men or, you know, like, and things like that, I'd be like, okay, fine. Like they're just, they're not going to typecast and they're just going to cast whoever is best for the role. But it just seems strange that when you see an interracial relationship or you see some version of black love, it's like what it has to be a black man with a white woman. Right. And in Lupin, the dude was like pining for multiple women throughout the series. None of them were black. All of them were white. Mm-mm. See, I can't do it. And Mm-mm. so I'm like, so yeah, that was a problem for me. BBC, do better. Um, and yeah, so now. So Friends did that too. It's funny because I remember Friends was like white, white, white. And then there was like one season where like one of them had a black girlfriend. So like still peripherally cast, right? And then all of a sudden she goes away for whatever reason. And they're like, oh, yay, back to all white neighborhood. <laughs> like part <laughs> now for for children's television um both Hera and I we think that Netflix is doing good in my household we watch a lot of PBS and PBS has been killing it in the diversity conversations in the representation on their shows I have no problem at all having my kids watch PBS all day every day um I listen to some of this stuff and I'm just like Oh, that's interesting. Like, you know, so they've got they've got representation across the Hispanic community, indigenous communities, black communities. I'm like, so and then Netflix, they've got karma. They've got um, Ada Twist Scientist, which is another that's a good one. Nice show. Um, There are there is another two. um, Is Doc McStuffins also PBS? Doc McStuffins is I want to say PBS or. Ooh, but we watched Doc McSuffin. Yeah, Maybe it's a good show. It might be Disney. Oh, I think it is Disney Channel. Yeah, I mean, I do think that I, I appreciate, you know, if you if you think about the difference from when we were kids, I mean, we just didn't see, I, I don't, I can't even think of one cartoon Fat character. Fat Albert, yeah. Fat Albert was like the only one. But yeah, there was just like, we were relegated to like the Smurfs, right? I mean, they're blue. So like, I guess, you know, there is that. But there was not anything... I don't know. I just, that's, but see, I think that could also be why I gravitated towards shows that had real people in it because I was like, I've just always been the type of person that I want to be able to relate to the characters. And if it is a all white cast living in an all white neighborhood and they don't even have black friends in it. And I'm just like, come on, like, no. (laughs) Right. And so on a final note, Here's something that really sticks in my craw. Dear Prime Video, dear Netflix and other networks, your definition of shows or movies for Black people are not the shows or movies we would pick for ourselves. So please ask Mm -hmm. us, hire us, put us in the room and empower us because we don't want to see slave fiction. We don't want to see Jim Crow era. We don't Mm -hmm. want to see Black people being tortured or tormented. That is not the ways that we identify and uplift ourselves. Those are the things that you need white America mm-hmm. to understand the historical context in which you are currently living in. We know that history. We want to see something mm-hmm. different. Do better. Yeah. I definitely think it's one of those things where like when you come home and you want to relax, like you don't want to watch a show about slavery or something like that. You know, I think we just, I think it's a balance, you know, I think that it's really, it's certainly important to have shows and documentaries that document those important times in history in a historically correct way. But I also think that they need to realize that 
we sometimes just want to chill and like not be stressed the F out and we want to see ourselves in the world. So I, I think, I think it's, I think it's really important to try to create shows that actually look like everyday life. And that includes, you know, characters that are, that are, uh, that are disabled perhaps Um, that includes all types of sexuality and genders uh, and races, because we don't move through worlds that are completely monolithic. You know, even if you live in a black neighborhood, like there are white people in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and, and whatnot. So yeah, I think it's important for people to just see it that way. And I want to get to a point where we don't have to be as intentional about micromanaging what our kids are watching because there's so much trash on TV. I wish we could just trust that they will see characters that are doing important things that look like them. All right. So we are wrapping season two, which is super exciting. I cannot believe it has been almost a year since we started this venture. I will again, thank you all for hanging in there with us. Please find us on Instagram at MochaSMC. And yeah, get, send us your, your show ideas. We will be coming back with season three in early 2022. And this will give us some time to plan some amazing content for you all. And also potentially some really fun virtual events. Yes. Well, and thank you all. Um, you know, we, we really feel moved and we really feel passionate about the work that we do and um, the representation of Black women and the, the emails that you send, um, the shout outs that you give us are so greatly appreciated. And it's kind of like the wind beneath our wings. So we hope that you all enjoy this holiday season and however you do the holidays and that your families stay safe and healthy. And until 2022. Yay. Until 2022. Peace out, everyone. Well, Pod, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you like what you heard, share us with your girlfriends. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So tell us what you thought of this episode on social media. On Facebook, we are at Mocha SMC Podcast. And on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Mocha SMC. You can find additional information on the topics from the podcast at our website at mochasmc.com. Till next time, pod. Bye now.